This is Ozarks at Large. I'm Kyle Kellams, and this is your public radio station, 91.3 KUAF Fayetteville. It is the last day of March 2023. Let's start this final day of March with Michael Tilley from Talk Business and Politics. He joins us from his office in Fort Smith. Happy end of March, Michael. Happy end of March. It's another year flying by. All right, let's start off with uh, tax revenue. I know it was good in northwest Arkansas. Also good in the Arkansas River Valley. Yep, it just continues to gain. Um, of course, some of that obviously is inflation built into that, but it's not. It's not all of it. Uh, but the first two months of the year, the first two reporting months of the year, um, the city's one percent, Fort Smith's um, share of the one percent Sebastian County taxes, four point one six million is about six and a half percent higher than it was the same period last year um and uh in the um sale the one cent street tax if i can speak <laughs> one cent street tax would generate a little over five million it's about six percent more um in the first two months than the first two months of last year so um good numbers there and look we're coming off some pretty healthy increases uh you know for all of 2022 that one percent Sebastian County sales tax that the city part the portion of it the city received was up uh, was at twenty three and a half million up almost ten percent compared to twenty twenty one and the street um, street tax um, well it was twenty three went from twenty eight or twenty six point six million to twenty eight point eight million so another hefty increase Kyle it's possible this year that that street tax will hit thirty million in revenue for the first time. And that the city's um, portion of the one percent countywide tax will hit twenty five million. If these trends continue, that they'll both easily hit those marks. Like you said, it just keeps advancing. Yeah, I mean the consumer, and you know, from what we hear from national economists, from economists for some of the big banks, and from Federal Reserve, the consumer continues to be strong. There is some increase in consumer debt. Consumer still strong. We'll see if the Fed. They continue on their path of jacking up interest rates. At how much of a how much of a damper it'll put on that? At the end of February, you and I talked about the Crawford County. Well, Crawford County having to pay more than sixty five thousand dollars in severance pay, insurance, and attorney fees to outgoing uh, head librarian uh, Deidre Grismala. Here we are at the end of March, and we're talking about some more money. Yeah, well, it's uh, so far um, they have the Crawford County in the library. It's really not a difference, but it's cost the county more than sixty-five thousand dollars in severance pay and attorney fees. The county has been asked to pay a twenty-six thousand dollars legal bill for a five-month period. Now the the board, I just find this humorous. It's not funny, but it's the Gentry Walmart is the um, attorney for the county, and the, he has got nerves of steel essentially. The, County asking if they'd like a detailed report of those twenty-six thousand dollars legal bill, and he told me he wasn't going to do it, which I just find amazing. They let him get away with it too. But his bill has been about fifty-two hundred dollars a month for the past five months, is the average. And you know, Deidre spoke when she spoke back in March, said that the biggest bill they ever received was four thousand dollars, and that was never just for one month. So, and look, I'm not blaming Mr. Walmeyer for the hefty legal bill. You know, when you have these people like the Hambys, um, uh, Dr. Jeffrey Hamby and his wife Tandy, who, you know, were the ones to raise hell, because you remember, Kyle, this got started because Deidre had the nerve to put LGBTQ books 
in, in the library, in a display. Now, the last time I checked, uh, it's not illegal to be gay or to be in a same-sex marriage in this country. But apparently, books that discuss same-sex marriage or being gay are verboten in the Crawford County Library System. I, I don't, that's amazing. I think that's absolutely no different than someone successfully demanding that books about the Muslim faith be hidden or banned. I mean, it's no different. In fact, if you open the door to the likes of the Hamby's, the list of books could grow on which they disapprove. So, you know, it's not the Campbell's nose under the tent. It's the entire herd of Campbell's intent on making that tent suitable only for other Camels. And so this is what you get. You get a hefty bill, $65,000, and that, that will grow. That's just, we're just getting started. Um, it's a shame, but it's, uh, we have a price tag on what that shame is so far, so far in Crawford County. Well, let's shift to a friend of ours, someone we've known for some time, Lynn Wasson. She was one of the driving forces behind Entertainment Fort Smith Magazine for more than 20 years. Right now, she's the interim executive director of the Fort Smith Convention and Visitors Bureau. Yeah, it's um, interesting move. Tim Jacobson, the former director, just there was a sudden resignation. I would like to tell you that we have a good handle on why he was suddenly out. We don't know if it was his decision or if he was encouraged to leave. Um, we don't know, but... Lynn Wasson is in um, the uh, A&P commission. Um, they have said they're going to start a search for a new director, although um, they have noted and Lynn confirmed that I think she said if she was going to be interim director, she also wanted to be able to put her name in the hat for the full-time director. So she will be a candidate for that job. Um, I, I don't know what other candidates they'll get, who they will get with experience, that type of thing. I know that Lynn, uh, you've known her and I've known her for many years. She was a popular choice. I've heard nothing. My responses by text and email about the story, uh, nothing but positive um, about her. So um, she may be the full-time director at some point. Um, I'm one of those folks that I like to uh, you think you may have a great candidate and then some applications come in and there's just a rock star in there. So um, we'll see, but yeah, we have a, someone who's a veteran understand the Fort Smith tourism and hospitality sector from front and back. Who's now the interim director. Good move for an interim position. We'll see what they do for a full time. Finally, I think if you put everything together that I do between today and the end of 2023, it's not going to be as much as what Madison Marsh, a Fort Smith native, is going to do probably in the next hour and a half, let alone the next few months. Great uh, story about her at TalkBusiness.net. Well, thank you. Uh, we, you know, we first had a story about her back in 2021 when she was uh, lobbying Congress for more money for pancreatic cancer research, and she just had had a happenstance meeting with former uh, UK Prime Minister Tony Blair. But I, Kyle, if you kind of hit on it, if you want to feel like you're just a lazy bum who's wasted every day of your life, just spend a, spend a few minutes talking to Madison March about Madison Marsh about what she's done or what she plans to do. So this 21 year old young lady, like like you said, Fort Smith native, graduate of Southside. High school. She's going to graduate the Air Force Academy in June. Then she is on a path. It's not fully confirmed yet. Path to attend the Harvard Kennedy School of Government. Now, in terms of schools of government, they don't get more prestigious than that. Not just in this country, but around the world. Um, she's also competing in May in the Miss Colorado pageant. She's now the reigning Miss Academy for Colorado. 
when she's done with the pageant, when she's done with the Kennedy School of Government, she's still an Air Force officer, by the way, through all this. Then she'll go to flight training after Harvard. This is, and during all of that, she is very active. And I can't stress, I probably can't explain accurately enough how active she is with pan- pancreatic cancer research and fundraising. Um, you know, her mother died when she was in high school uh, from 40, at the age of 41 from pancreatic cancer, just 10 months after the diagnosis. So her whole family's been active in raising money through the Whitney Marsh Foundation. They've raised uh, more than 200000 around 230000 since 2019. Um, the family in Madison are working with, um, there's a coalition, Dana-Farber Research and the Harvard Medical School have a coalition for pancreatic cancer research. Um, they're active with that. Um, they've given $40,000 to Mercy Fort Smith to help fund pancreatic cancer detection for folks who may not be able to afford it. It's about a thousand dollar test for patients who think, you know, they, they are exhibiting some of those symptoms. So, uh, it's just, um, an amazing path. Um, and I encourage anyone to take a few minutes and go read about her. Um, I, I like to point to this story when some people say, you know, gosh, Kyle, kids these days, uh, they're just, they're not going to amount to anything. Well, uh, maybe, <laughs> maybe a lot of them, but not this one. This one, this one's going to change the world. And you can read that at talkbusiness.net. You can read about everything else we've talked about and more. Michael, can't wait to talk to you in April. All right. Yeah, well, here we go. Another month. There you Thanks. go. Closing out Walton Art Center's Starlight Jazz Club Series is the Brianna Thomas Sextet, Friday, April 7th at 7.30 p.m. With the soprano voice that scats, swoons, and croons, Brianna Thomas moves the material into the funky soul and R&B worlds. Tickets available at waltonartcenter.org. Arkansas PBS is inviting supporters across the state to bring their antiques and collectibles to be professionally evaluated during a two-day taping of a new show called Arkansas Treasures at the Arkansas PBS Studios in Conway, August 5th and 6th. More information at arpbs.org slash Arkansas underscore treasures. This is Ozarks at Large. I'm Matthew Moore. I'm Kyle Kellums. Kyle, this weekend feels like a Mary Poppins kind of weekend in the Ozarks. You're going to have a spoonful of sugar? Uh, I might. Okay. But it's also a time to go fly a kite. Oh, in, near Eureka Springs. Yes. So we have, uh, we, we also have the Cherry Blossom Kite and Pinata Festival that's happening in Springfield, Missouri. Yep. Uh, that is tomorrow. Uh, over in Siloam Springs, we have Kite Day. Yes. Um, did they, did they end up rescheduling the, the no, kite thing? No, that was Springs? last weekend. That was last weekend. And I missed it. I missed it too. But if you are still looking for an opportunity to do kite-related activities, we've got that in Springfield, Missouri, and in Siloam Springs, and a few sports notes for tomorrow as well. Uh, University of Arkansas Volleyball will be playing the University of Tulsa at Tulsa for their spring exhibition match. Mm -hmm. And tomorrow, you can go cheer on our Ozarks at Large colleague, Daniel Carruth, in the Bentonville Half Marathon. Go get them, Daniel. It's going to be a pretty day. For It's going to be an almost perfect day, I think, to run a half marathon. Yep. Tell them we sent you. KUAF's spring fundraiser is coming up, though it will sound a little bit different this year. This year, we're shortening our live on-air fundraiser from five days to only three, 
and we're asking you to give early so we can go live on April 5th with as much money raised as possible. When you want to hear important and insightful reporting, you turn to KUAF. When you want intelligent conversation about a complicated issue, you turn to KUAF. KUAF brings you trustworthy, fact-based journalism every day. And this spring, KUAF is turning to you. Help us continue to bring you stories you count on. Make your gift early and have your gift doubled dollar for dollar up to $12,000 thanks to Joel and Lynn Carver. Make a gift now and help keep this important public service on the air. Give now at supportkuaf.com. Thank you. Governor Sarah Huckabee Sanders and Republican legislative leaders are proposing a $124 million tax cut that would be effective this year if passed by both the House and Senate. The bill was formally filed late yesterday by Senator Jonathan Dismang of Beebe and Representative Les Eves of Searcy. The package would reduce the top individual income tax rate from 4.9% to 4.7%. There is also a two-tenths of a percent reduction in the corporate income tax rate. Cuts would affect Arkansans making more than $24,300 annually. The next phase of the 14-acre Alice L. Walton School of Medicine is underway. Groundbreaking was held yesterday in Bentonville, just up the street from Crystal Bridges Museum of American Art. Founder Alice Walton says the new medical school, once complete, will be part of a growing entrepreneurial district. This campus is a special place, and I am so thrilled that uh, Crystal Bridges has welcomed us as neighbors And I'm so excited about bringing art, nature, architecture, health and wellness, and innovation together on one campus. I think that the creativity that comes from the artistic side of the world can stimulate and motivate our students and our community in ways that we don't even know yet. I'm particularly excited to explore that whole connection between art and healing. Founded in 2021, Alice Walton School of Medicine will offer a four-year medical degree program that builds on conventional medicine with a compassionate, inclusive, and whole health approach. Pending accreditation, the school plans to welcome the first class of 48 students in 2025. We'll have more coverage about the medical school on an upcoming edition of Ozarks at Large. An effort to allow children and victims of incest to obtain an abortion has failed in the Arkansas legislature. Members of the House Judiciary Committee rejected House Bill 1670 in a meeting yesterday. The bill's sponsor, Democratic Representative Ashley Hudson of Little Rock, said children who get pregnant can often suffer long-lasting complications. When we are talking about a situation in which a 10-year-old child is being forced to carry a pregnancy to term that may kill her, that may result in a dead baby, or that may result in permanent lifetime physical disabilities, then we need to take a really serious look at what we're doing and why we want the public policy of this state to sentence children to these types of issues. Hudson noted Arkansas has the fourth highest maternal mortality rate in the U.S., as well as the highest rate of children under 15 years of age who get pregnant. Arkansas law currently allows abortion only to save the life of the mother in a medical emergency. The bill failed on a voice vote.
The Arkansas House is honoring longtime journalist Brenda Blagg, who died late last year. The House introduced Memorial Resolution 1004, introduced by Representative Robin Lundstrom. It honors Blagg's commitment to the state's Freedom of Information Act and her contributions to the state. The same legislative body yesterday voted to allow members of public boards to discuss official business without notifying the press, as long as no more than one-third of the board is present. The measure received 52 votes in favor, 22 against, and 22 members didn't vote Four voted present. A bill limiting applications of the Freedom of Information Act in Arkansas is stalling at the state capitol. House Bill 1726 failed in the House State Agencies and Governmental Affairs Committee this week. Sponsored by Republican David Ray of Maumel, the bill would have added exemptions for police departments' ongoing investigations and police videos connected with those investigations. Robert Steinbuck, a professor of law at the University of Arkansas and a member of the Arkansas FOI Task Force, testified such exemptions already exist. The bill needed 11 votes to advance out of committee and received just five. The nonprofit Mount Sequoia Center in Fayetteville is filing an application and notification of intent to the city of Fayetteville to rezone the 27-acre property from P1 Institutional to a planned zoning district, or PZD. Ozarks at Large's Jacqueline Froelich has this report. According to recent notification mailed to residents of Mount Sequoia, the proposed zoning will promote mixed use, involve no new construction, and allow the center to diversify commerce to achieve financial sustainability. Kim Swepston, who owns property nearby, contacted the city for more details. I called the planning department, and they sent me the PDF file to my email address. I opened it, read it, and I go, whoa. Swepston is alarmed because the proposed rezoning, if approved, could transform the forested early 20th century retreat center into an entertainment, recreation, and lodging destination with cafes, restaurants, a five-story hotel, and short-term rentals that will create heavy traffic along the winding mountain streets leading to the site. Thursday night, Swepston, along with 80 other residents, packed a neighborhood meeting hosted by Mount Sequoia President and CEO Emily Gentry. First, she assured the crowd they will have a stake in reworking the draft zoning application, then laid out the rationale. Right now, what we've been working towards is to become on an operational level. So when, at the end of the year, for net operations, we want to look to see that we are in the black and not in the red. And we have gotten to that point. Um, over the last, I think, four years, we have consistently been operationally in the black, which means we're able to put money back into the buildings. It does not cover, we are currently not covering our depreciation expense. So that's why we're having some of these conversations of trying to grow revenue. The campus counts 37 structures from cottages to dormitory halls, most constructed in the early 20th century, all requiring upkeep heating and cooling. Mount Sequoia's rezoning request will tentatively go before the Faithful Planning Commission on April 24th. That's Ozarks at Large's Jacqueline Froelich reporting. A former chancellor at the University of Arkansas is being honored by the Institute of Industrial and Systems Engineers for his book about leadership. The organization gave its Book of the Year award to John White for his book, Why It Matters, Reflections on Practical Leadership. White will receive the award at the annual IISE Conference and Expo in New Orleans in May. 
The number six Razorback baseball team is at home for three games against Alabama this weekend. Arkansas softball is at Mississippi State. And fresh off national championships in the NCAA indoors, both Arkansas track teams open the outdoor season this weekend with athletes at the Texas Relays and the Stanford Invitational. And the Arkansas gymnastics season is complete. Arkansas came in third behind number one Oklahoma and number 16 Ohio State in last night's NCAA regionals. In the background is bassist Massimo Bilcate, and I'm Robert Ginsberg, your host for Shades of Jazz. On this week's edition of the show, we'll hear more from Massimo, as well as the Stanley Clark Trio, Ron Carter, Dizzy Gillespie, Stefan Harris, Jerry Gonzalez, and much more. I hope you'll join me for Shades of Jazz, right here on KUAF. This is Ozarks at Large. It's Friday. Becca Martin-Brown is in Alaska, I think, looking for Bigfoot, or she said she was going to try to look for Bigfoot. So she's not with me, but guess who is? April Wallace, who is a Associate Features Editor at the Northwest Arkansas Democrat Gazette. April, great to see you. You too, Kyle. Thanks for having me. You are not looking for Bigfoot. No, I'm not. I think Becca has that covered. Yes, I think you're right. <laughs> uh, but you're gonna you're here to talk about some of the things that we can read in the paper this weekend, including a profile of someone I think a lot of people in Northwest Arkansas know. I think so. So Bill Watkins has been an attorney in Rogers for about 42 years, thereabouts. Um, go to any city council meeting in Benton County especially, and you'll you'll definitely see him around. Um, he's hard to miss. He's about 6'7". So he has a commanding presence, but he's easy to talk to. Um, so in our profile, we take a look at his his background, which includes being um, quite the college athlete as a basketball player in Louisiana. Um, but we kind of just look at where he came from and how he got to be an attorney, what sparked his interest in the law, and um, how he kind of came into this not quite specialty, because he'll tell you he's not a specialist, but how he landed in land use and planning and his passion for um, increasing housing in Northwest Arkansas. I was going to say, if you're thinking about land use, planning, and housing, Northwest Arkansas is kind of the place to be right now. Right, and he said if all the numbers are true, we don't have enough of anything. Streets, stores, you name it. So he's got a lot of work cut out for him. There's also a story running um, about a domino. That's right. (laughs) Tell me about a single domino? One single domino made its way from Germany to somehow the Springdale Public Library. And it's special because it was a crafted piece of scrap metal from a concentration camp in Buchenwald. Mm. And um, it seems that someone picked it up while they were touring the, the camp and it just made its way back here, and it was donated um, to the library. And so our reporter, Monica Hooper, was able to go out to the library, take a look at it, and talk to the person who found it, and also an expert from JBU who has um, quite a bit of knowledge on Holocaust um games that they used um, to occupy themselves in the camps, um, who helped authenticate the item and get in touch with its its home and make sure that it got back to Germany, which it just did just in the last week. 
So it has been sent back. It has, yeah. When when will that be in the paper? That'll be Sunday? That will be in our town on Thursday. Okay. You and I both know that, I mean, March was crazy busy. But once you get to April around here, mm-hmm. there's so much going on. Any highlights? There's a lot of stuff going on, as you said. So I'll start with Northwest Arkansas Conservatory of Classical Ballet and Ballet Theater. They're doing a showcase this Saturday at 2 p.m. and 7 p.m. Monica Hooper has a story as well in What's Up this Sunday. Um, So the ballet part is going to be like a sneak preview of Radiant, which is a theater that has performances. Um, They just got a new director, Stephen Wynn, and they also have a jazz jam dance as a part of that. So a couple other music performances you might want to watch out for. Um, Amy Grant is playing at the Odd in Eureka Springs this weekend. Um, Caitlin Rose will be at George's on Monday. And also on Monday, one local dear to my heart is Beth Stockdale. She's a harpist. That's right. New CD. New CD coming out, and they're having the release party at the Fayetteville Library at 5 p.m. Monday night. And so just a few minutes ago, Art Ventures announced a sneak preview of India and its many colors. Um, They're having a little brunch to preview this, and that's on April 2nd from 11 to 1 p.m. The exhibit is a collaboration with Rave Cultural Foundation. Pop singer and songwriter Madison Watkins will perform for the first first Friday of 2023 on the downtown Bentonville Square. That's April 7, starting at 7 p.m. She's a Fayetteville native who released an EP called Electric last year. You can also find great things about the music industry in What's Up This Weekend, including an introduction to Arkansas House Records, which is an up-and-coming record company in Bentonville. Um, They want to help people who don't have a band or singers who don't have their own songs yet um, connect with each other and figure it out. And if you want to plan ahead a little bit, because if I go to Fort Smith, I have to plan ahead. Sure. Um, Becca Martin-Brown recommends starting um, with Dilemmas with Dinner at Fort Smith Little Theater on April 13th. She says, the last place you want to be on this particular evening in these unnamed suburbs is the home of Brooke and Donnie who are hosting a high-stress, high-stakes dinner party that goes from bad to worse to disastrous. Is this a comedy, I hope? <laughs> it is a farce, yes. Okay. So okay. she said the first place you want to be is Fort Smith Little Theater. <laughs> I see. Glad that way. All right, April, thank you very much. Thank you. April Wallace is Associate Features Editor at the Northwest Arkansas Democrat Gazette. It's the Community Spotlight Week in Review. I'm Pete Hartman. Many of our nonprofit groups were holding events this week, including Big Paws of the Ozarks. Their Big Paws block party is taking place tonight. Big Paws is a foster-based rescue that mainly deals with the larger breeds. Big dogs have a higher rate of euthanasia in area shelters. Here's Executive Director Kayla Mays talking about tonight's event. We are hosting it with our neighbors at Boston Mountain Brewery, but tickets are free this year. Um, We're really just wanting to get a great turnout, um, bring our community together, and celebrate the life-saving work that we're able to do. Um, We'll have food trucks that are there. Um, We'll have some barbecue options. And then Subway is also one of our neighbors, and they're donating proceeds for the night as well. Um, So that'll be really fun. We've got a silent auction going. We'll have kind of 
of tailgate games set up throughout the space. Um, we're working on a puppy kissing booth as well. So we will have some dogs there, um, but it's going to be really crowded. So we're kind of focusing on humans only for this one. And our services are being demanded at a higher rate than we've ever seen before. So fundraisers like this are vitally important for us to be able to continue uh, providing care. Kayla Mays with Big Paws of the Ozarks. That Big Paws block party runs through 10 p.m. tonight. It is free. Registration is needed, though. For more, bigpawsozarks.org. Last night, the Shiloh Museum of Ozark History held their first Ozark Trivia Night at the museum located in downtown Springdale. It featured teams of six with snacks and local drinks. It gave us the opportunity to check in with the Shiloh Museum. Here's Jessica Lyons, Development Director. Yeah, so we're a regional history museum that focuses on Ozark histories, and we serve six counties, um, so just really everything Ozark history. And such a beautiful campus there uh, in downtown Springdale. Yeah, we have six historic buildings on our grounds and um, exhibit space inside. We have um, an upcoming exhibit in the beginning of May um, called Ozark Homes, so that'll be our new one this year. Jessica Lyons with the Shiloh Museum of Ozark History. They do plan on having more of those Ozark Trivia Night that they had on Thursday. You can always find out what's going on at their website. That's shilohmuseum.org. This morning, we heard from the global Save Soil Movement. This is a nonprofit working to basically keep the planet's soil fertile. They'll be holding events at the Botanical Garden of the Ozarks and at the Fayetteville Public Library later this month. Here's local organizer with Save Soil, Shabangi Kalore from Bentonville. So on April 21st, which is Earth Day, so that day, Botanical Garden of Ozarks is having Earth Day field trips. They have organized school field trips. So there are going to be two slots, one in uh, like 9.30 to 11.30 okay. and then 12.30 to 2.30. So we will be interacting with the students and we'll be educating them about the soil health, what is the current condition of the soil, how we are facing soil extinction at this point of time and what we can do to improve the soil health and what are the ways that we all people can uh, talk about it and voice our concerns about it by sending letters to the leaders of the country and requesting them to bring the soil regeneration policies in all the nations. So through this movement, we are urging nations to mandate minimum 3 to 6% organic content in agricultural soils across the world through policy-driven initiatives. That is the main agenda behind it, that we want to turn world's attention towards soil extinction and bring the soil regeneration policies across all the nations. So for that, we are activating and demonstrating people's support for these policies. Shabangi Kalori, a local advocate with the Save Soil Movement, they will host another public event April 23rd at the Fayetteville Public Library. For more on that, the Fayetteville Public Library's website, fayylib.org. This week, we also heard from NWA Special Kids. This is an organization that serves children with unique abilities and special needs. 
the chance to experience holiday fun, just like anyone else, that other families may take for granted. They're gearing up to host their special egg event April 8th in celebration of Easter. Here's Natalie Burchett with NWA Special Kids. Our Quiet Hunt is designed to be a smaller group of children, less competitive, and it meets the needs of children that may be on the autism spectrum, have Down syndrome, sensory processing disorders. And then our talking eggs are literally eggs that talk to the children who are visually impaired. It's really neat. The, The eggs say, come find me. I'm over here. And children with visual impairments who aren't able to see the eggs or can listen for them and pick them up. And then our magnetic hunt is designed for children with a variety of mobility impairments. Kiddos in wheelchairs or maybe with crutches or other mobility adaptive devices that can't get all the way to the ground are able to collect magnetized eggs with a pole and then of course trade those in for candy filled eggs so they get that experience too. So, If you'd like more on that special egg event, again that's coming up April 8th Just search NWA Special Kids on Facebook. You can hear the Community Spotlight weekday mornings here on Ozarks at Large, and we offer extended spotlights at our website, KUAF.com. Just look to the right of the page. I'm Pete Hartman. You can email me. That's Pete at KUAF.com. And remember, your voice matters. March is almost over, Matthew Moore. It is. Isn't that wild? It is. Yeah. It felt like, to me at least, as someone who has a very impending date coming soon. Um, the birth of your first child. Yes. Yeah. March came and went pretty quickly. Should have gotten a speeding ticket for going too fast. Oh, well played. <laughs> I don't know about that. Uh, earlier, we told you about some of the things happening on Saturday. It's a big weekend, as spring weekends always are in uh-huh. northwest Arkansas and the River Valley. A uh, couple of things about Sunday. Yep. You mentioned volleyball is starting their spring exhibition season. Soccer is, too. And, in fact, they'll be in Fayetteville with a spring home game against Kansas State. Mm -hmm. That's Sunday afternoon. The Cane Hill Community Picnic is Sunday. It is, yes. I knew that. (laughs) Well, my my uncle uncle works down there. Um, The music honors recital at the University of Arkansas. The annual spring event is taking place at Faulkner Performing Arts Center Sunday. And... um, it's happy hour at the farm on at Appleseeds. Okay, as well. Nice. And so, I mean, gear up. This is these are the weekends from now until Christmas. I think. I think so. That's that's not a bad thing. And we'll keep you up to date as much as we can. Listening for us by artist Raphael Lozano Hemmer returns to Crystal Bridges Museum of American Art this spring. On view now through May 28th, this outdoor nighttime interactive experience includes eight immersive installations activated by visitor participation. Listening for us is free for ages 18 and under. Tickets at crystalbridges.org. KUAF is supported by Butterfield Trail Village, a premier Northwest Arkansas retirement community catering to active lifestyles and resident well-being. Offering a variety of amenities and living options from apartments to village homes, plus on-site fitness facilities. ButterfieldTrailVillage.org for more. This is Ozarks at Large. E. Joe Brown is a prolific writer. His latest novel is the first in a planned series of adventures in Oklahoma, the Kelly Can Saga. He's also published memoirs, short stories, and nonfiction. And before his books, there was a career of technical writing as an engineer, as well as work that supported the first six missions of the Space Shuttle Columbia. E. Joe Brown will be at Pearl's Books tonight to read 
and sing. During a visit last week, he told me his first professional experience was at a daily newspaper in Oklahoma when he was 19. I ended up spending a year uh, as a sports writer and and absolutely loved it. But I went back to school and ended up eventually married and an engineer and and uh, so forth and 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 did a lot of writing because I was writing test reports and uh, test plans and safety plans. I did a lot of writing, <laughs> but I but it was all technical. And uh, during that time, especially starting in the eighties. People begin to say, Joe, you you just love to spin a yarn because yeah. you know, we'd sit around the break area or over a beer out on a business trip or something for the Air Force or something, and then I'd, t- I'd tell a story. And they said, are you writing all this, any of this stuff down? I said, well, no. Well, I eventually, in my retirement, decided, you know, I'd like to try this, and I, I'm back into it, and uh, and uh, things are going quite well. All right, so you were 19 when you became that sports writer for a year. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Charlie Kelly in A Cowboy's Destiny, I think we pick him up when he's 19, so uh, what should we read into that? Well, uh, two things. One is that can be a really transformative period in anybody's lifetime. Uh, and two, uh, it was for me, and it was for my granddad. Charlie Kelly is is loosely based on my maternal grandfather. Uh, uh, Clarence Kelly uh, was just a phenomenal influence on me as a person. And I loved to sit on his lap as a kid, listen to him tell stories of him as a cowboy on the 101 Ranch in northern Oklahoma as a teenager. And uh, so, uh, so uh, my my protagonist, Mr. Charles uh, Ashley Kelly, was named for uh, and based loosely on Clarence Ashley Kelly, my grandfather. On the book, it says saga. And yes. and that that indicates sprawling and a wide range of characters and and perhaps some you know epic adventure. All of that, <laughs> all of that. Uh, the uh, and as a matter of fact, uh, I, I I do something that you don't see often, but you see. I mean, it's not certainly long ways from unique to me, and that is that. Uh, uh, I actually utilized people that really existed back then. In other words, at the 101 Ranch, that ranch actually existed. It actually had owners for the Millers family, and and uh, the Miller brothers are are characters in the in the story. Uh, I have a, a friendship now with the foremost historian of the 101 Ranch, uh, and uh, and we've had conversations, and he loves the fact that I'm including that family and trying to be accurate, not but not accurate to the nth degree, but, you know, being very respectful and accurate of the family. Uh, and the 101 Ranch entered into the oil business as it started to blossom in Oklahoma. And so that's part of it. And that's where, where my publisher says you're heading, you know, not, I never leave ranch, but 
but you're heading into the oil business, and that, you know, it's sort of like, you know, the Ewing family on Dallas. And I go, yeah, you're right. There is some of that. And and back 100 years ago in Tulsa, Oklahoma, uh, which became the oil capital of the world at the time, uh, uh, Men like Harry Sinclair of Sinclair Oil, uh, Bill Kelly of uh, um, Skelly of uh, Skelly Oil, which actually my granddad retired from Skelly Oil, and and uh, Mr. J. Paul Getty, mm. all all were in Tulsa at that time, staying at the Hotel Tulsa, and in the lobby of the Hotel Tulsa, million dollar deals were done almost weekly. Mm. What? And that's all in the story. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm thinking about what's going to be next in these books or what could be next because Oklahoma is fertile, right? I mean, you mentioned mm-hmm. the Dust Bowl and you have the Depression, but you also have, you know, characters like Jim Thorpe, Will Rogers, uh, Pretty Boy Floyd, uh, Bob Wills and the Texas Playboys coming through all the time. Um, just any it's number. All, Kyle, you are you are spot on, buddy. I mean, it's almost like we're kindred spirits. <laughs> I actually have, uh, in some cases, already mapped out, you know, but uh, certainly in my mind, mapped out the the uh, uh, Charlie Kelly and his bride Susan and uh, their lives up until at least the fifties. <laughs> The 1950s. Yeah, there's just so much to work with. And uh, uh, Charlie, along the way, meets uh, uh, Susan. And uh, uh, turns out she's the, uh, the only child of, of uh, the richest man west of the Mississippi. And I patterned him after William Kemper. He's, uh, his name is Walter Kramer in the book. But he's patterned after William Kemper in Kansas City. And uh, uh, so, you know, there's a little bit of Kansas City in there. And uh, there's going to end up being some a little bit of stuff down in the Ozarks and down in, uh, let's just say that uh, uh, it's really kind of cool that I'm going to be in Fayetteville. E. Joe Brown is the author of several books, including his latest novel, Cowboy's Destiny. He's reading from the book and more tonight at Pearl's Books in downtown Fayetteville. More information about the reading at pearlsbooks.com and more about him at ejoebrown.com. KUAF is a partnership. Our newsroom brings you stories about our local community. We work with NPR to take you inside the national and international stories that matter to you. This can mean breaking news, an investigative series, or a conversation about something you'd never heard of or don't know much about. There's another important partner in this ongoing effort to keep you well-informed, and it's you. Your financial support makes KUAF possible. We couldn't and wouldn't be here without it. Please give now. Go to supportkuaf.com to make your gift, or you can mail a check to KUAF at 9 South School Avenue, Fayetteville, Arkansas, 72701. This is Ozarks at Large. I'm about to talk to Courtney Lanning about the new movie, Dungeons and Dragons, Honor Among Thieves. Before we talk about the movie, let me welcome Courtney Lanning back to Ozarks at Large. Welcome, Courtney. Kyle, thanks for having me. All right. Dungeons and Dragons, Honor Among Thieves. I've only seen the commercials. Chris Pine, who we know from all sorts of big budget movies, including the the updated Star Trek franchise. In just the commercials, it looks like he's having the time of his life. Is that what happens? You know, he is having the time of his life. And I think that people who go watch this movie will as well. 
you know, I've played Dungeons and Dragons for 20 years now, Kyle. This is a game that has been out since, I want to say, 1976. Obviously, I wasn't there when it came out. You probably were. I was. Nonetheless, I've played this game for 20 years. Uh, I met my wife when we were playing Dungeons and Dragons. Some of my greatest friendships were forged over this game. So let me tell you, this movie had a lot of work to do to impress me. And? And it did. Excellent. Now, before I hear any more, let me say that I think for people who don't play Dungeons & Dragons, there's this image that it's dark, that it's serious, that it's cloistered in a basement or with curtains drawn, and it's, it's not necessarily fun or engaging. Right, and, you know, this is due in part to satanic panic, um, which has ruined so much of life and culture. Mm -hmm. But despite this, Dungeons and Dragons has persisted, especially in popular media recently. You have popular people who stream the game online. You've got shows like Stranger Things, where Dungeons and Dragons is factored into the plot. So people are getting a different view of it now. Um, And now you've got this big blockbuster movie led by Chris Pine, a big fantasy adventure, and you don't get too many of those. So you're right. D&D through the years has had this persistent image that you've just described. And and I think that this film captures the more realistic part of the game, which is all kinds of wacky things can happen when you're playing. We should also point out that when we say it's a Dungeons & Dragon-inspired film, it's not people playing, it's the characters that come to life when people play Dungeons & Dragons. Right. There's nobody playing Dungeons right. & Dragons in the movie. This is about fictional characters in the magical world of Dungeons & Dragons. I think the best way I can describe it is Dungeons & Dragons is the topping on the ice cream rather than the flavor of the ice cream itself for this movie. At its heart, this is just a fantasy heist adventure. Um, it perfectly balances fun for people who haven't played and those who have. Uh, the whole movie is just packed with heart and magic and laughs and everything you'd want from a story like this. I would also want Hugh Grant in a movie like this. Hugh Grant is delectable. That's about the best way I could put it. He's, he's the most stereotypical British antagonist. And it sounds like he's having the time of his life, too. Right. And, you know, you can really enjoy stories like this when the actors are, are clearly just getting on camera and just having fun. Um, You know, and surprisingly enough, also for this movie, anytime you have a big fantasy adventure movie, which again, Hollywood doesn't make a lot of because they're a big risk. They cost a lot of money when you have to bring these magical effects and beasts to life. Um, And there's no guarantee the crowd is going to show up for it. I hope people show up for this movie. But the D&D movie has a pretty decent mix of practical effects along with CGI. And I love practical effects, Kyle, we're talking. Puppets, animatronics, costumes, the use of all of it. So bonus points for mixing that in to make the film look extra great and not just relying on CGI. Full review in the Arkansas Democrat Gazette today. Um, Next week, I know what you're going to review next week, and I'm incredibly curious about this movie. Yeah, so am I. Um, I already have the um, review copy of this movie. And I'm eager to bust it open later tonight. Um, it's Paint. The movie is just called Paint. It stars Owen Wilson. And it's it's not exactly a Bob Ross biopic, but it, you can tell it is heavily inspired, even from just the poster. 
Is there anything else coming out this week besides Dungeons & Dragons, or does it have a monopoly on the big screens? Little screens I can talk about. Mm -hmm. Apple TV Plus in particular, there's a new movie called Tetris that's coming out with Taron Egerton. Stay with me now. It's basically a spy thriller set during the Cold War about licensing the game Tetris. And it is one of my favorite movies I've seen this year. I enjoyed it even more than D&D. Well, I will tell you, I came home one day. Laura Kellums was on the couch. Now, Laura Kellums is perhaps, my wife, is perhaps the best Tetris player I've ever met. She became obsessed with it when she was a teenager. I came in the house and she just said, you've got to sit down and look at what I just found. And it was the trailer for Tetris. So I know what we're doing this weekend. Well, you can pass along a message to Laura. She's not going to be disappointed. Uh, I'm not kidding when I say that. I know we're only a quarter of the way through the year, but Tetris is my favorite movie so far. All right. Courtney Lanning's reviews can be found in the Democrat Gazette. You can hear Courtney talk with me every Friday or almost every Friday when our schedules align. Courtney, thank you so much. Kyle, thanks for having me. Closing out Walton Art Center's Starlight Jazz Club Series is the Brianna Thomas Sextet, Friday, April 7th at 7.30 p.m. With the soprano voice that scats, swoons, and croons, Brianna Thomas moves the material into the funky soul and R&B worlds. Tickets available at waltonartcenter.org. Monday on Ozarks at Large, a battle of the bands that's really more of a cooperation of the bands. There'll be some where we each play separately, and there'll be some where... Uh, we join up together, join forces and play together. There'll be others where we weave in and out. So we'll be playing for a few bars. They play for some bars and then, you know, back and forth like that. The Symphony of Northwest Arkansas and the Fayetteville Jazz Collective will share a stage next weekend. We have a preview with Sona's conductor and musical director, Paul Haas, Monday at noon and at 7 p.m. You can also listen to the Ozarks at Large podcast available wherever you get your podcasts. This weekend on the Vinyl Hour, we sit down with Pete and Alex from Bottle Rocket Subs. Yeah, I mean, all of our artwork and the paint on the trailer, um, our menu and stuff like that has just been me exploring different, like, mediums, I guess. Um, I hope to keep doing more of it. We're kind of at a place where um, the trailer is sustaining itself in a way that I can kind of step away and... um, work on signage and the visual things that come along with having a business. That's this Saturday at 5 on KUAF. This is Ozarks at Large, and this is 91.3 KUAF. Fayetteville, Fort Smith, Bentonville, and Combs. Not brushes, but combs. <laughs> KUAF is a listener-supported service of the School of Journalism and Strategic Media at the University of Arkansas. Matthew produced today's program inside the Bruce and Ann Applegate News Studio 2 at the Carver Center for Public Radio. Contributors today included Michael Tilly, Jacqueline Froelich, April Wallace, Pete Hartman, and Courtney Lanning. I'm going to be back with you Sunday morning at 9 for Weekend Ozarks at Large, and we will have a brand new week of daily shows beginning Monday at noon and 7, also the fundraiser next week, but just three days. Yep, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, you can expect to hear us on the air. But you can make a contribution right now at supportkuaf.com, get us closer to the goal, and then all works out, we'll just have three-day 
fundraisers maybe from here on out. Yeah. Yeah. Hard to complain about that. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> so, Kyle, there's a podcast that I listen to, um, and they have this segment that they talk about only in journalism words. Um, when they when they use that phrase, it's, it's the kind of words that you don't normally use in your everyday conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's words you'll see typically in print or you'll typically only hear on the radio. Um, and there was a word that you used today that kind of really sparked this idea for me. And it's the word prolific. You, Is prolific a word that you use in your normal here's conversation? The I've been, in, I've been <laughs> talking on the radio for 41 years. No. 43 years? Uh-huh. No, almost 44 years? <laughs> Existential crisis, is that a word? But, Mathematician um, Kyle so I, I don't know if I have a difference anymore, mm. if you know what I mean. I do know what you mean, because I have not been doing radio for quite that long. Um, so I, 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 I could see how that could bleed into that. So a word like prolific for me is a word that I don't normally use, sure. but I'm happy to write it, and I think it's an important word to use I in journalism. I see what you're saying, yes. Um, are there any words... Uh, maybe not, because it seems to me like the two kind of bleed into each other for you. Well, there are words that other people use okay, and that you'll hear in the radio, like query. Uh-huh. I never say that, I think, ask or question. Mm-hmm. And I don't think it's a word you hear that much in day-to-day, right. but you certainly hear reporters and editors say it. Right. I also think there's a difference between words you will see in the Arkansas Democrat Gazette that you won't necessarily hear us, or you certainly won't hear me say it, mm-hmm. and a word like eccentric. That's a really hard word for me to say. Eccentric? Yeah. Eccentric? Eccentric? Yeah. I, yeah. Don't, I don't say it very often, <laughs> clearly. Um, but it's a word that is is an excellent descriptor, and I will see it in a newspaper article, but I won't see it. Um, you, you know, if you're looking at a profile of a uh, tech entrepreneur, sure, they'll describe him as or her as eccentric. It's not a word I typically use to describe someone in a normal conversation. Don't you think they're only in legal words? Like inquiry is not something I would oh, say. Oh, absolutely. I have long wanted to do a regular segment a segment about jargon. Ah, uh, yeah. Uh, that you might use in the restaurant business uh-huh. or something. And this is kind of a motivation for me yeah, to do that. Absolutely. Well, I mean, like 86 is a great one, a great example of that. When someone in a restaurant says, we're going to 86 that... They're done. That that it, means we're done. We've doing sold it. out of the fish, right? Um, that's uh, that kind of is something we use normally in everyday stuff now. But I think right. it's just because it's become so popular. All right. So a jargon regular feature coming up. It's going to be eccentric, <laughs> <laughs> probably. Uh, from the Carver Center for Public Radio, I'm Kyle Kellams. I'm Matthew Moore. Thanks for being with us. Have a good weekend. Join us on Sunday.